Welcome to Reconciled Church Miami, Pastor Aldo Leon. Uh, we're in Genesis. We're in a series in Genesis. We're going from Genesis 1 to 12. What we do at this church is basically find uh, a section of Scripture or a book of the Bible, and we preach through everything. We deal with everything there, verse by verse. And now we are in Genesis 1, verse 14. Let me just read 1.14 to where we stop. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs for festivals and for days and years. There will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater lights to have dominion over the day and the lesser light to have dominion over the night as well as the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth, to dominate the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. Evening came, then morning, the fourth day. Then God said, let the water swarm with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the large sea creatures, and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds. He also created every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. So God blessed them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters of the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. Evening came, then morning, the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, Creatures that crawl and the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds. The the livestock according to their kinds. And creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. So what we have been saying that what we're doing in looking at creation, the creation account is we're reading it from the perspective of the people that this was written to. Remember, Genesis is one part of five books. It is one book. It's Genesis and Deuteronomy. And this was written to the, Isra- the Israelite people of God who had been redeemed from Egypt. And so as we read the word of God in creation, what we're trying to understand is how the word works in creation and how that helps us understand how God's works work in our lives now as the church, as God's people. That's what we're doing with every section. And so this is a part two of last sermon. Last sermon was basically to know me. How do, I, how do we know God? We know God by knowing how he works in, through his word in the world. That was part one. This is part two. Um, And and so this is super important because we oftentimes want to try to know God in the wrong way, okay? We want to try to know God, and by the way, uh, okay, someone's translating because I see people that need translation. All right. Sorry. (laughs) We, we, uh, We try to understand God primarily through our feelings. We try to understand God primarily through our experiences, what has happened to us, or we try to understand God through our rationale, like how we can rationalize. Or we try to understand God basically by what we do, you know, kind of like how I do and what I do. That helps me understand God. Or, or we just kind of try to understand God through general situations in life. 
But what this, is, this text is telling us is, look, if you want to know the God who made you and the God who saves you in Jesus Christ, you need to understand how he works in his word in the world. You're not going to find him in your experiences, your rationale, your doings, your feelings, or life situations. You are going to find God most clearly and know who he is as you see how he works through his word in the world. Okay, so there's two main categories I want to unpack here as as we understand how God works in the world through his word and so we can understand God. And that's how God works firstly and things above. We see that with the, you know, sky and sun and moon and whatnot and how God's word works in things below. And we see that with the creatures and, and and the animals and the birds and all those things. So first main idea. We, I want, we want to know God here. We want to understand him. Okay, number, main idea number one, how he works in things above, okay? How do I begin to unpack how God's works worked in things above? Firstly, by saying, my word distinguishes between doing and resting. My word distinguishes between doing and resting. Verse 14 says, let there be lights in the sky for what? To separate the day from the night. So God's saying, look, you need to understand something about my word. My word separates doing and resting. It's not just, okay, daytime we are awake and nighttime we're asleep. But my word separates the necessity in life that we must, also, as we do, also rest. And he gives a light to show that. And I think this is super important because in our culture, this is how we are. We work all day. And then on our way home, we text and we talk and we like hear radio shows. And then when we go home to rest, we get on the couch and on the couch we're on Facebook, we're texting, we're writing emails and, and, and you know, a million things. And like our kids are in school all day. And then after school, they do like activities all night. And then like they drop dead at night, you know. And then on the weekends, you know, we just go to like a million activities and we're like always doing all these things. And we just basically think that to exist is to do. That's how we think. But, 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 but this thing is, you want to know something about me, God says, you need to understand that I make a separate, you need to rest and you need to do. Meaning that as you lead your family, as you work every day, you know that every day of your life, you must practice the necessity to rest in Christ's works on a daily basis. As, as you basically lead your family to activities and school and whatnot, you need to make it a habit to enable your family to rest in the activities of Christ, not just do activities. God separates between doing and resting. That means in the, in the middle, ladies, of your desire to clean your house and make it orderly, you must make it a practice to rest in the cleansing of Christ and to rest in the activities of Christ. That is what we must do. And that means that in your desire to attend every party and every event, you must lead your family, lead your life to sit at the marriage banquet of Christ. And rest, you know, like we, like, we like wonder, like we're so exhausted because all we do is do. And we think that the solution to everything is just more doing. And God says, listen, you need something to understand something about the way my word works. And that means that you need to distinguish between resting and doing. You need to rest 
as a, as a lifestyle, as, as a practice, as, as a reality, as much as you are seeking to do as a reality. So the first thing we see is that my word distinguishes between doing and resting. But here's the second thing we see. My word marks celestial bodies, the, 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 the sun and the moon, stars. My, my word marks celestial bodies for Christ's work, not ours. You say, why do you say that? Well, look what it says in the verse. They will serve. How do, what, what do the things in the sky, the lights in the sky serve as? They will serve as signs for festivals and for days and years. Now, the Jews who are reading this are immediately thinking like, oh, okay, so you gave the stars, God, so we would know when we would have to celebrate our festivals. That was God's original intention. So, so, so God gives uh, you know, stars so we can have a calendar so that we could back way when anticipate when Christ would come. And we could know the month of the Passover, we call it Easter, when he would die and re- you know, rescue us from our sins. And we would know that shortly after that, there will be a festival of the first fruits where he is our resurrection. And 49 days after that, on the calendar that was made for him, we would know that the Spirit of God in Pentecost would unleash the gospel in this age. We have a six-day week because, you know, we, we need to realize that God made man on the sixth day, but God remade humanity on the sixth day where Christ, on the sixth day of the week, died on the cross. We have a seventh day because Christ is our seventh-day rest. So God basically says, look, check it out. I made things so that you can have a calendar so that... So that basically your calendar can be revolving around the fact that Christ filled a calendar with his works. That's the main purpose of a calendar. (laughs) We don't think that. We think calendars are solely for us to fill them with us. But God says, look, I'm giving you signs so that you can have calendar and days because you need to mark the reality that Christ works, Christ's achievements, Christ's triumphant morality for you will fill your calendar. If we, and look, and I'm not saying you don't use your calendar for those things, but, but understand what your calendars are really for originally. You know, I, I, look, if we're, using the, if we're using the calendar just for us to do stuff, then we're perverting God's intention for the calendar. It was made to mark off the fact that Christ would come and we could live our days in light of that reality. But I want to say something else about the way God's work, the way God's word works and things above is that my word makes things below depend on things above. My word makes things below depend on things above. Listen, verse 16, God made the two great lights, the greater light, the sun to have dominion over the day, and the lesser light to have dominion over the night. So basically, God's saying that, hold on, I need my water break. God is saying that, look, the things that are above basically control the things that are below. You, know, you guys know that basically everything that happens on, on the earth is because of what? Because the sun. The sun basically dictates the reality on the ground. And, and, and this principle is super important to bring it to our reality as Christians, okay, to understand that things above us basically determine what goes on in the ground, okay? So how does this, how does this look, okay? How does this look? Well, in a, in a regular day, 
okay? Um, I had the tendency to get up and think, you know what? How my wife treats me today is going to be how my day is dependent upon. But, 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 but what the Word of God is telling us is, look, your day is not dependent on how your wife or your spouse treats you. Your day is dependent upon the fact that Christ is exalted in heaven, triumphant. Things above determine things below, not things below, things above. Or, you know, like, my kids may be how they are, and they, they, they can be very needy, and I get very angry and frustrated, and I lash out, and I begin to think, oh, my gosh, the world is ending, I'm a bad parent, and it's like, no, 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 no. Your day does not depend on how good a parent you are, but your day depends on the fact that in heaven, there is a Savior with holes in his hands now. That's what my day is dependent upon. You know, or, or, or we may think, you know, how my job goes, how my vocation goes, how my education goes is going to be how my reality is safe and secure. But God says, no, no, no. Your day will be okay because there's a Christ in heaven who has achieved his job already. That's what will determine your day. And you may say, I don't know if I believe that. Let me ask you a question. Has you having a bad day ever made any difference that the sun still shines and makes life go and, and revolves and, and, and basically does everything? I'm talking to y'all. You, you have never done anything that made the sun do anything. Never. Where am I going with that? You have never done anything to make the power of the Christ exalted in heaven glorious to make reality. Never. That your reality is determined by what is above you, not what is above you determined by what is beneath and below. So God teaches us something very valuable, that my word makes things below depend on things above. Amen? <laughs> Like, actually, I think that one day, you know, when I was really, I, I, I felt like I, I, I kind of shifted the sun a little bit, you know? <laughs> sure. Another principle we see about the word. My word makes the things below depend on, listen, the proper placing of things above. The proper placing of things above. Listen to this. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide a light on the earth. So in order for the sun and the moon to basically give life on earth, they need to be placed way up there. What would happen if things that are way up there are not up there? What happens if we bring the sun down to our level? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we would be like, wouldn't work. You bring the moon down, what happens if you bring the moon really close to us? You know, all the ties and everything. So, so basically, um, God is now saying, look, my word needs to put things really high in order for them to function. Things above need to be really high in order for them to function in your everyday life. So let me bring it to us. What's the practical comparison to how the word works in our life? This is what we do, beloved. We tend to put our righteousness, okay? Our righteousness, we kind of bring the righteousness of Christ down, and we say they kind of like come together. They're kind of really close. 
Or, you know, we kind of say, you know, the way my wife, husband treats me, it, you know, I, I bring the way Christ has treated me right down to the way my husband treats me, and I kind of put them on the same level. Or, you know, we think the things that I have done imperfectly, I put them really close to things Christ has done perfectly. The way people respect me and affirm me, because of course they should, I bring the respect that I have in Christ down to the same level. I put my morality on the same level of Christ's morality. And what God is saying, beloved, is that the only way you can exist is by letting God let the things above that determine our reality to be way, 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 way higher than us. You know, I, I cannot put me, you know, next to Jesus' achievements. I cannot put my family's treatment of me next to the way God treats me. What I, ba- I basically need to say in the same way the sun has to be way above in order for me to exist, I need to be someone who says, look, I need to put the exalted, the, the achievements of Christ, the belovedness of Christ, the respect of Christ, the approval of Christ, the delight of Christ, way, way, way above me and not put them down together. doesn't work that way. We need to have the things that give life to be way above us, not kind of put them together. You know, we, we do that, right? We think we, we, think we, we, we recruit Jesus to like our, 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 our Messiah team, Right? Like, yo, Jesus, let me holler at you. Like, why, why, why don't how, how, how people treat me and how well I do, why don't you come down and we kind of like cooperate? And it's like, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. There must be this distinction and separation. Distinction and separation. But there's, a, there's a three more things I want to say about how we understand the words working in things above. And that is, my word makes lesser and greater for the lesser's sake. My word makes lesser and greater for the lesser's sake. Look at verse 16. God made the two great lights, the greater to have dominion over the day and the lesser to have dominion over the nights. So God's saying, look, you need to understand something in my word. I basically want there to be greater and more glorious things and lesser and less glorious things. That is God's design. And, and if, I would, if, I, if I could bring that into the realm of the church and how we understand the word works, I, I would be like this. We are people like this. This is how we are, beloved. This is how I am. Basically, we mope around all the time. We mope around all the time, um, depressed over, like, my family past. We, 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 we mope around all the time, depressed over, you know, our, our current struggles and embarrassments. And, 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 and we kind of, like, are just always, like, ransacked with guilt over, like, our inability and our lack of ability we're always sad about how we can't measure up to other people and we can't meet people's expectations, you know. Um, and, and we think, this, this is what we think. We think, God, you know what the solution would be? God, you just need to make my glory shine a little bit more. You need to make me a little bit more bright. But, but what we see here, beloved, is that what you need is not for God to make your lights a little bit brighter, but what you need is to allow your lesser light, your lesser qualities, to bring you to embrace the superior shining of the glory of Christ. So that, and me seeing my lack of, you know, impressiveness, that would make me, if I'm, you know, 
acting like the moon, I guess I need to sit under the superior, ultimate glory of Christ and just let the glory of that superior Christ shine on me and me just reflect that glory. Beloved, God does not need to make you shine brighter. He needs to make distinctions so that everything that lacks in your life, beloved, everything that is deficient in your life would be an opportunity for you to say, you know what, I think I better be under the glory and brilliance of somebody else's brilliance. This is the word principle, you know. And um, <laughs> I think that, uh, beloved, we, we all, this means that the solution to every situation is not for God to add to us, God not to make us more. But the solution is, look, your lesser light is to make you really enjoy, experience, and appreciate the greater light of Christ that is for you, beloved. So my word makes lesser and greater for the lesser's sake. I'll say two more things about the words working and things above as we learn about God's word working in creation. My word makes illumination from above a must. My word makes illumination from above a must. Listen, they will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth. Okay, so you guys know that in the beginning of creation, there was already light, right? Let there be light is like in the beginning. But God now adds more lights so that we can see better. Okay, now I think that that's somewhat important to bring out because let me give you a picture that may help. You know the, you know the lighting in the club? Oh, I've never been to a club. Yeah. I've only been in, you know, whatever. Well, lighting in the club is very dim. Why is light in the club very dim? What? So you don't see how jacked up everyone is. And so everyone looks so amazing in the dark, right? That's what we do. But... God doesn't want that for reality. He doesn't want, you know, all right, he doesn't want reality to kind of be dark and not clear so that we can feel better about ourselves. God wants to bring illumination and clarity to what is. So how do I practically unpack that for your soul as we understand this in creation? Is it means that, look, God, in order for you to understand what's going on in your heart, What's wrong with your heart? What's wrong with your anger? What's wrong with your, you know, why am I unhappy? Why am I bitter? You know, what's wrong with my life? I need to, the God's gospel light from above that tells me everything in, in reality, in light of Christ, needs to come down and illumine what's going on in my heart. That's what needs to happen. Or, you know, another example would be, you know, We need clarity on our marriage. What's wrong with our marriage? Why do we struggle in our marriage? Well, you know, it's because uh, my wife isn't just, she doesn't do what I want. Or, you know, like, it's just because, you know, my husband, he's just not appreciative of what I do. And it's like, no, 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 no. We need illumination of what's going on in our marriages from above. We need the gospel light to come down and tell me what's going on. 
And so when I seek to be illumined by the gospel's light above, you know what I figure out about my marriage? My problem is not my spouse. My problem is that I think I am too good for my spouse. And because I think I'm so good, I therefore have problems with them. So the gospel tells me I am not good in myself. I am actually deficient and lost and damned in myself. But blessed be God, in Christ I am righteous. Or the problem is not my spouse. The problem is that I have replaced my, I have acted like Jesus is my Messiah and therefore my marriage stinks. And God's like, look, when the light from above comes to show light on your marriage, what, the, what it tells you is that your problem is that you replace, you replace me with your husband, you replace me with your wife, and that's why your marriage is so difficult. So we need clarity from above, you know, or, 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 or you know, we have, we have addiction issues, we have obsessions, we have anxieties and depressions. What's going on? What's going on? And, and, and we say, well, I need to understand what's going on by opening up the, the clarity of light from heaven, light from the gospel. And what God shows me is, you know what's going on? is that I'm trying to find myself in my reality. I'm trying to find myself in my circumstances. I'm trying to find myself in my achievements. I'm trying to find myself in my relationships. And, and, and you know, I'm miserable because I can't be enough. And the gospel tells me, yeah, duh. So the problem in your anxiety and depression and, and all these difficulties is that you're trying to find yourself in yourself and you're not finding yourself in Jesus. The clarity from above brings clarity below. So we need that, beloved. We, we need a clarity from above to illumine ourselves. And, you know, we, we, beloved, listen, listen. We need to stop trying to do the best in the dark, you know? Stop. Stop in the dark of reality trying to do our best because, like, we like how we look better in the dark. We need to consciously, intentionally say, you know what, we need to open up the the, the lights, the, you know, the, what, what are those, what are the windows above us called? Skylights. We open up some skylights to show us how Christ crucified is now informing this darkness and not try to walk better in the dark. So this is the, the, the principles that we get from creation and how God's words works. We need illumination from above. It's a must. But there's one more thing about what I want to say about how the word works in, above before going below is that my word above and below is all about the routine. My word above and below is all about the routine. Check this out. God does, what is he doing right now? He's basically setting in place routines. Sun rises, sun sets. And it's like, hmm. It seems like God has a preference for like routine things happening regularly, actually being the most important things in our life. Like sun rising, sun setting. That's the most important thing in your life is the routine of those things. And, and, and you may say, well, why, are you, why are you bringing this out, preacher? Well, let me listen. We don't think that. We think that what we most need in our life is a, is a spurious, it's, it's a, a spectacular breakthrough. You know what? You know, you know, just go to your average church and, and, and what does it look like? Let's make a spectacular breakthrough. This experience will be like nothing else, and you will never, ever, and it's, that's how we think. But God says, you know what you need, beloved? You need routine. 
What's the miracle in my life? I got to hear the word of God. Again, and again, and again. Yes. You know, what do I need? Uh, I need to pray. Like, not once. Like, I need to pray regularly. You know, or, or, or it's kind of like, man, like, I, my, you know, I see difficulty in this relationship. I see difficulty in, like, my marriage relationship. What am I supposed to do, God? Are, are you going to, like, bring, like, a lightning bolt and black up and change everything? And God's like, just keep preaching the gospel to your wife. Just keep preaching Christ to yourself. Just keep preaching Christ to your kids. Regular routine. That's what I got for you, God says. God is a God of routine. It's like, man, like, I'm looking for an answer. I said, God's like, all right, you know, here's my answer for you. Sit around a bunch of other people who know Christ and just think about Jesus as, as a lifestyle. That's how I work. God is a work, God of the routine. Like, no, I don't think so. I'm still looking for, like, my, you know, miracle. But in creation, we're learning things about how our God works, and he's kind of reshaping that. So, all right, transition. My words working in things above, now words working in things below. And that's where I'll be for the rest of the time. So, look, I get the, the first way I unpack that is by saying my word creates, listen, words working in things below. First way I impact that is my word creates exclusive places to exist in order to exist. My word creates exclusive places to exist in order to exist. Look what it says in verse 20. Then God said, let the waters swarm with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So basically, basically, it's so quiet when the air is not on, isn't it? I feel like I can, I can like hear like the bubbles of water and it irritates me. Anyway, sorry. So fish must live in the water. Birds must find their domain in the sky and on the ground. Um, And we understand that, you know, like we can't, you guys have dogs, you can't throw them in the water and live. What happens if you do that? All right, dog, the ocean is now your new home. You don't have no dog no more. Uh, We can't, we can't put fish, you know, in our yards. Why? They can't live there. Here's another one. We can't take a Miami Cuban and put him in Idaho. Why? We must, right, being a little, you know, joking there. But, but we must exist in the places where God has ordained us to exist. And going back to us and how we understand that is, is, beloved, we have certain places where we must exist and other places where we can't exist. What are some examples of that? Let me tell you one place we can't exist. You at the center of your reality is a place you can't exist. We think, all right, God, the environment where I will thrive is where everything is about me and my whole family revolves around me and my church revolves around me. God's like, you will you will die in that environment. I did not create you to live in that environment. I created you to live in an environment where at the center of everything is Christ. You can't live there. God puts places where we must exist. Or, you know, another one is, here's this one. I think I will exist, God, in the environment of how people treat me. 
That is what I will thrive on. That's what will get me going. That's what will keep me healthy is how people treat me. And God's like, look, I didn't create you to live in that environment. I created you to live in the environment that is all about how God has treated Christ on your behalf. You try to live in an environment where how people treat you is what makes you live, you will be like a fish on the concrete. You can't live there. You know, I'll give a few more examples. You know, we want to live in the environment of the external behavior change. You know, like, basically, I'm going to be okay if just some Christian gives me, like, another set of behaviors to just try to, like, imitate. You know, I'm going to be okay if I get a Christian coach who just tells me, do this and don't do that. And, And you know what? That's another environment that God did not create us to live in. What environment did God create you to live in? The environment where you exist in the death of Christ, in the burial of Christ, in the resurrection of Christ. That is the only environment that you can live in. you got to live where God assigned you to live. He's like, I don't want to live there. Well, you don't got a choice. I'll give another, another, another one. We want to live in the environment of conditional. Basically, everything is determined upon conditions that I meet or conditions that I receive. And, you know, we're like, man, like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I feel like I can't breathe. And it's like because you're like the fish trying to walk on Calle Ocho. I don't know why I can't breathe because you were not made to exist in that environment. You were made, you were made to exist in the environment of the unconditional, unilateral, covenant, saving love of Christ that has everything to do with the conditions that Christ has met and nothing to do with your conditionality. You must live there. That's where you were designed to live. And beloved, let me just say, loving you, we need to stop creating our own environments to live in. We need to stop making our house to be these environments to live in that have nothing to do with the environment that God has created us to live in. And to stop making these environments that just, you know, like, we know what we do. We, 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 we try to, like, you know, like scuba gear. You, you, your whole life, our whole lives are about, about, you know, getting better scuba gear and how we can live better in the water. You know? As opposed to thinking, I don't need better scuba gear, you know. I just need to, like, you know, live on land because that's where I belong. I need to plant my life on the work of Christ because that's where God assigned me exclusively to exist. So I need to move on. How do do we learn about God's working through his working below? My word produces in the realm of the impossible. My word produces in the realm of the impossible. Listen to this in verse 20. Then God said, let the waters swarm with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. Over there. So check this out. Where did the birds come from? The water. How, God, I'm asking, like, how on earth, God, did you make animals that cannot exist in the water to come from the water? God's like, because my word creates in the impossible. That's why. And you'd be like, okay. Interesting. Birds were created out of water. They can't exist in water, but they were made out of water. You know, great pastor. How does that matter? What does that matter? Other than like birds, you know, were created supernaturally out of the water. Well, well, check this out. Some of you are thinking things like this. 
I cannot imagine, I cannot logically, rationally imagine how God could actually forgive my sin. I just cannot imagine that. You don't know what I've done. And I say, you know what? If God made birds out of water that can't exist in water, then God can cancel your sin no matter how unbelievable you think it is. You may think like this, you know, I have been in these kind of sin patterns for so long. I do not believe that it could ever be different. See, believe me. If God can create birds out of water that can't exist in water, then I don't care what your sin is. I don't care how long it is. I don't care how big it is. The power of death, burial, and resurrection can change everything. So you don't understand. Like, my marriage has been this way so long. Birds out of water. God does things that are absolutely impossible with the power of his declared word. So that is not an excuse. My word produces in the realm of the impossible. Or some of you are thinking like, you know what, like I'm in this really bad situation right now. And like, I cannot, there's some texts in the Bible that people keep quoting me and it says, God works all things are good. I don't get that. Beloved, God works Things, God's word works things in the absolute impossible that you would never imagine, even if you can't see it. So, moving on. My wor- another thing we learned about the words working on things below is my word's power over large things. Listen, my word's power over large things conveys his power over smaller things. Verse 21. So God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moved and swarms in the water. According to their kinds, he also created every winged bird according to their kind. So basically, like, here, here, here for you dinosaur freaks, here's the dinosaur text. Massive, humongous creatures in the water that were created by the word of God. And God is telling us this as, as his people because we're little things, right? We're very small compared to lots of things in creation. So God's like, look, you, you want me to tell you something so you can you know, feel good about is, is that my word created and rules over things that are like tons and tons much bigger than you. To give you confidence that he could, you can trust in him as someone much smaller than something bigger. And I give you an example that may help. Um, where am I at? So when we drive over the, you know, the bridges and the keys and the, you know, the, the bay bridges, we feel comfortable, right, that there's like 18-wheelers and like these massive trucks that drive over it. I wouldn't feel, I don't know about y'all, I would not feel comfortable if the bridges I drove over could only sustain my car. That's it. Any more than 2,000 pounds in your car and this bridge cannot manage. So when I see how these bridges can sustain things that are much bigger, I feel better about my smaller thing going over the bridge. You see where I'm going? So check this out. (laughs) We see the gospel kind of like that rickety bridge that is just enough to barely sustain me, and I can't really add anything else to it. But God's saying, look, my word created massive, huge things that could not even be contained in a stadium And that means, beloved, that my gospel word can sustain everything in your smaller life. You want to talk about the pressures of marriage? God's powerful gospel can sustain that. The the issues you have emotionally, mentally, God's powerful gospel word can sustain that. 
the, the, the stress and anxiety you have over kids and children and while it will turn out, the power of God. God says, put that on there too. Put your marriage on there. Put your kids on there. Put the economy on there. Put society on there. Put everything on there. My word powerfully sustains it all. That is what God is showing us. So, all right. My word's power over large things conveys a power over smaller things. But there's another angle. My word's power over little things conveys the extent of my word's power. So check it out. Then God said in verse 24, Let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock creatures that crawl, and wildlife according to their birds. So basically every little creepy crawly thing now. You know, uh, I don't know exactly what the original species were, but things that, like, you can't even see God's word created. And, and you know what? I think this is super important to know that God's word created small little things that are seeming to be irrelevant because our issue, beloved, is that we seem to be one of two people. We're the people that, like, I don't think big things are, you know, I don't think, you know, the finished work of Christ can sustain big things. We'll be, we'll be the other people. I don't think the gospel's work is, is, can sustain little things in my life, right? So, which, and there's a problem with that because, you know what? What is your life like, beloved? It's just a bunch of little events, like driving in traffic, like dinner tables, uh, like working, everyday conversations, everyday thoughts, interacting with kids about stuff, you know, changing diapers, you know. Your life is basically little insignificant events. So here's the problem, beloved. If we don't see that God's word, not the creating word, but God's gospel word now speaks to my everyday little seemingly insignificant events, you know what I will do? I will basically make God practically irrelevant to most of my life. I will be a practical atheist who thinks the gospel is significant when I cheat on my wife or the gospel is significant when, like, I, I don't know, when I get drunk and I crash my car. The gospel is significant when, like, my marriage is about to end, whatever. And all the little details of life where you normally live will be devoid of the gospel's power. But God making these little itty-bitty bugs and creepy crawlies by his word tells us that, look, the word of the gospel is more like a woman. Listen. <laughs> a woman, I ain't scared of y'all. <clears throat> a woman wants to know everything that happened, right? Right? Like when, 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 you, when you come home and you're like, how, how, was, how was your day? And you're like, it was good. Like, what? No. You better tell me how long you drove, and you better tell me who you spoke to when, like, you went into the office, and you better tell me what you had for lunch, and if you paid for it, and how much you paid for it, and you better tell me, you know, that's, that's how women's are, women's are, right? That's how the gospel is, beloved. Gospel's like, I want to know all the details of your life, and I want every little crevice of your life to be claimed and understood in light of Christ crucified. That's what I mean by the gospel is a woman. Now, I just, I just, y'all thought I was going to slam a woman. I just kind of championed the woman, all right? <laughs> y'all wasn't expecting that. So, all right. And, uh, two, two more things I want to say about how God's word works on things below. Is that my word produces from intimacy. 
my word produces from intimacy. Listen, verse 22 says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the waters of the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. So basically, how does multiplication happen? How does reproduction happen? Through intimacy. Obviously, we're, we're talking about animals still. We haven't gotten to, you know, the humanity part still. But it's still a principle that God is showing us. Is that God produces through intimacy. And you guys know this. Um, think about, like, how you brought kids into this world or how you were brought. Uh, it didn't happen through having conversations about, you know, kids, how kids come out. It didn't, it didn't happen um, by you know, how you lived your life necessarily. It didn't happen um, through a, a strong will for life to come about. It didn't happen through a, even simply being around someone else. The only way you came into existence is an intimate encounter happened. Okay? Simple enough? So how do we understand that for us, beloved? Well, you know, we are looking for happiness in circumstances and God's saying, look, your happiness has not come from circumstances, but your happiness is the fruit of gospel intimacy with your husband. We are looking, look, look, look. We are looking, you know, to be a, we're looking to be a good mom, a good dad, a good friend, a good daughter. And we think, I'm going to grit my teeth. And I'm going to like say it. And I'm going to claim it. And I'm going to wake up. And I'm going to say on Facebook, I am a great husband. No, beloved. That comes from intimacy as you are pursued by a faithful lover and as you have intimacy with the Christ of the gospel. Out of intimacy comes these kind of motherhood, sonhood, friendhood, whatever. My word produces from intimacy. You know, or I'll give, I'll give, I'll give you know, two more examples. We may think, uh, you know, like, man, I want to be more mature. I want to be more godly. How's it going to happen? You know, how's it going to come about? Let me tell you something. It's not going to come about by trying to be more godly, by wanting to be more godly. It's going to come about when you just realize that, you know what, I just need to be with Christ where he makes himself known as much as I can. And the more I'm with Christ and the more I hear about Christ and the more his love is told to me and the more I receive his affections and the more I'm around him out of the overflow of intimacy with my glorious creator in the Holy Spirit comes godliness. Because my word produces from intimacy. Or, you know, we think, I want rest, I want peace and security. It's the same thing, beloved. Rest and peace and security does not come from trying to do something, change something, fix something, manipulate something, punch something. You know, it comes from resting more deeply in the intimacy that you already have in Christ through the gospel. And this also, a lot of times people ask, why aren't you guys always talking about all these, you know, like, you know, like, like, our society now is going crazy with, like, with, with like, like political and social issues. Can I get, can I get a, a, a yes, amen, or something? All people talk about is how racism is bad or racism is good. All people talk about is, is how this and that and, and, and you know, and, and, like, they're like, hey, why don't you guys do that? Why don't you guys just sit around and beat people in the head with every moral thing they should be doing, you know, you know, to be just people, to be, you know, race, you know, racially harmonious people because that's not how God's word works. 
How does God change society and people? It is through his word giving a greater intimacy with someone much better than reality and existence. And from intimacy, I become loving. From intimacy, I begin to stop being a self-righteous bigot. From intimacy, I love my neighbor. That's how God's word works. This is how God shows us in creation. So there's one more thing. I want to say about how God's word works, and that's my word commands. Listen, last point. My word commands so that you can will, not you will so you can. My word commands so you can will, not you will so you can. What? What? My word commands so you can will, not you will so you can. Like, That sounds totally contrary from everything I hear from everywhere. And it's like, yeah. Listen, listen, listen. So God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters of the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. So why can can creation be fruitful and multiply? Because God's command decreed this to be an ability before there was any ability. Like... All right, man. So what? So what? Listen, listen. This is super important because what God has commanded for us to be able to do in and through Christ by faith is why we're able to do things. We tend to think like this, beloved. We, We tend to think based upon what we experience and what we feel and what we see that that will then make reality. But what we see here, God commands something to happen, and from his command that says this will happen in this way, then it happens. So let me give you some, so, so, let me give you some tangible examples. You who live in pride can walk in humility. You know why? Because God commanded that to be possible in and through faith in Jesus Christ. You, listen, you who lack love and seem to think, you know what, I can't love because I don't seem to, like, be able to love. And, like, I'm just very selfish. But, but God has commanded you to be able to love in and through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ so you can love because God has commanded it to be so in and through Jesus Christ. Or some of you may think, you know what, I have a particular sexual issue, a particular addiction issue, a particular aberrance. You say, you know what, I I can't see myself being any different. And I say, let me encourage you that the gospel power has commanded that to be so in and through Jesus Christ. It's not based upon your seemingly, I think this could happen, or maybe I would, you know, be willing enough to make it happen. No, God has commanded you, beloved child of God, that the death of Christ has severed you from that man who was enslaved to sin, from that woman who was enslaved to sin. And God has commanded us that everything in Christ is now possible. Well, you know, another example is the example of, you know, just the issue of, I don't know, like just being in a relationship that is a certain way for so long and, and, and being in a marriage that is a certain way for so long and being in a mom and daughter, father, son relationship. It's been so much like, you know what? I don't think it could ever be any different. And say, so, yes, it can. Why? Because I'm going to tell you, just will it more? No, 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 no. Because God has willed it in the gospel for you in Christ so it can be so because what God wills enables you to will. 
And not what you will enables God to will. So God has commanded, my word commands so you can, not you will so it can. Now, now, y'all may, now does that make sense? <laughs> so listen, you know, I'll give, I'll give you a practical example. How, how, did, how did Peter walk on the water? Jesus said, walk on the water and it was possible. God has commanded things to be possible in Jesus Christ, so therefore you can own it for yourself and take it to the bank because God has willed it. So, so if I want to look, if, if I, wanna, I just want to refresh you guys and, you know, for the band, uh, this is your, your cue. Um, if, if I want to encourage you guys, look, the, the, the first thing we ask is, God, I want to know you. How do we know you? Through your word works. Let's just rehearse how God's word works and think about it. If, if God's word distinguishes between resting and doing then I need to get over the fact that not doing and resting is somehow an unproductive thing. And then I realize that I will be absolutely useful, absolutely, no, I will be absolutely useless if I don't get over the insanity of thinking that everything depends on me being more busy. And I need to go back to the word of creation that says I need to consciously, actively rest in Christ. If, if God, if you made the stars and the moons to mark out Christ's calendar, his works, then, oh, Lord, let me look at my calendar. Let me look at days and weeks in light of the fact that this is all, all about me enjoying the works of Christ. Not about me stressing over me. If life down below depends on things above, then, Lord, we need to stop. Stop thinking that how things look and how things are is what really will determine reality. But we need to think that, look, how Christ is and what he did and where he stands and what he says is what determines reality. If health, if, if I can only stand, if I, if I can only understand things below by illumination from above and I can't understand things by trying to walk better in the dark then basically what I need to do is always say, God, please let me open up the, 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 the sun light of the gospel into every situation because I can't understand anything apart from God illuminating reality in Christ. If God's word is over, if God's word has said I can only exist in the environment of who I am in Christ and what I am because of in Christ, then I need to stop, beloved, we need to stop trying to live in these better us environments. I know there are some of you here that are exhausted because you're trying to, like a fish, walk really well on the ground. And God's saying, listen, 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 listen. Do not walk out of here not listening to this. God created you to exist in the environment of the gospel and you will always spend the rest of your life and every moment just breathing your last breath like that ridiculous fish because you were not made to exist in that environment. This is all you have. This, this, this word about Christ, these crazy people exalting Christ, this is the only place you can exist and breathe and thrive as a human. There's nowhere else. There's nowhere else to go. If God's word works in the small things, then we need to stop having gospel amnesia and stop living like all the little details of our life, all the little conversations, all the little moments are for me to figure out in my own strength and now let them be claimed by the gospel like everything else in big moments. And the last thing I would say in reminding us is, if, look, beloved, if God's word commands your ability to will, we need to stop making excuses, Right? 
Stop making excuses why we can't think about one another more. Stop making excuses why we can't be more generous. Stop making excuses why we can't love our spouse who is hard to love. Stop making excuses that we can't, you know, uh, you know, trust God in the difficulties that we're in. Stop making excuses that we can't be peaceful and godly in the midst of a pagan world. Stop making excuses. Why? Because God's will has commanded in Christ for everything to be possible because he has decreed us so in Christ. Father, thank you so much for showing us how you truly work so that we could truly understand what it is to know you and be loved by you and be transformed by you and just seek to be ransacked and and just moved and changed by your words working not just in the creation but in the new creation, Lord God. Please help us to not have hard ears and hard hearts and receive this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. That concludes our message, and we hope that you were inspired by it. If you'd like to hear more about the gospel or find out more about Reconciled Church Miami, please connect with us using one of the ways listed on our website, reconciledchurchmiami.org.